Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello and welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Grigla, and I'll be doing a solo episode today on a topic that is getting down to brass tacks, meaty and necessary. Um, It's a very important and fundamental issue. I think all parents and caretakers and supporters of those who are neurodiverse struggle with and that is the shift from the parent role into a partner role and what that looks like and when it happens and when should it happen and what shouldn't it be. And the discussion is centered around this very nuanced feeling of, I do not want to be my child's parent or at least be in the parent role Um, for the rest of my life, and regardless of what my child says or acts, it's not good for me to be in the parent role for the the rest of their life either. And there's, there's a philosophy called transactional analysis in psychotherapy, and therapists, most therapists are aware of it and use it, and it's where we talk about the three roles that we can fall into in any relationship. And they are as follows. There's the parent role where someone is in charge, in control, making decisions and leading out where they are above in hierarchy of the other roles. And in the beginning, that is a necessary, absolutely healthy place to be. Um, The parent can nurture and protect and do all the positive things that we do as parents in a very healthy way. And the partner role takes on the role of someone who stands off to the side and walks with as equals um, the person that we are in the relationship with. And the partner lets, lets go of control of the situation and of the other person and allows them to lead out and have their own individual individuality and choice um, while still being there to support and nurture in ways that are appropriate to two people who are partners. And that would, that would entail the mentor role for sure. So I might use the partner role, I might use the mentor role interchangeably as we talk. And then the last role is the child role where somebody out of immaturity or developmental disability or out of sheer brattiness take on the role that a child does, which is I can't, I won't, I don't have to, you can't make me, um, help me, I'm helpless, fix it for me, um, take control. And in the beginning, the parent-child role is absolutely normal and necessary and typical And then as the child develops into more and more of a teenager and an adult, 
that relationship has to slowly switch. And one of the problems we have with neurodiversity is that with the delayed timeline in development and achieving milestones and typical functioning accomplishments, oftentimes the parent or the therapist or the teacher is required to hold on to the parent role a little longer than typical because it takes longer and often there needs to be more repetition, more practice, more um, more opportunities for learning, a lot of repetition. And so that can stay healthy as long as it is at the rate of development that the child is able to go. And that's different than what the child wants, and it's different than what the parent wants. It's actually based on an assessment of what is the developmental capability of the child and how do we help them stay out of their comfort zone but not overwhelmed in creating environments to push them into development and making their own decisions and autonomy and independence. And so as the child becomes a partner or an adult in their own right, the parent shifts at the same time um, down into the adult partner mentor role. And it's like a teeter-totter um, where the person that is high is the parent and the person that is low on the low side hitting the ground is the child. And then over time as development occurs, the parent slides down from their height and the child slides up from their height and then they meet in the middle where they're balanced and they're walking together as partners. Now, the child role is healthy until it becomes stuck, developmentally blocked and stunted and paralyzed. Um, when, when it comes to ability, that's a different story. When it comes to willfulness and problems that any child experiences like fear, insecurity, traumas, abuses, neglects, then then their willingness to trust and move forward. And if they're bullied, for example, socially, they're going to remain a child for longer um, than necessary because they're they're going to have issues to work through and they're they're going to take longer to become a confident, capable, independent adult. Um, but as we talk about this transactional analysis, switching back and forth between the parent, the partner, and the child becomes really contentious if it's not done right. And us as parents, when a child is ready to step up, if we don't allow it, then the child rebels and becomes angry. Now, this is a common scenario um, that I'll share with you now. Age-wise, the, the neurodiverse teenager realizes that I'm 14, I'm 16, I'm 18, and at age 16, 18, I should be making my own decisions. I should have all these privileges and rights. And oftentimes what that looks like is they're still emotionally acting younger than their linear age. So maybe they're age 18, but they're still acting 14 in responsibility. And so they aren't necessarily ready to be trusted with responsibilities like a later curfew, driving a car, having money to to spend without the the parent managing that for them um how they treat others just because they're 18 they think i 
I can do what I want and say what I want. I'm an adult now. Um, I'll leave if I want. You have to give me what I want because I'm an adult. I, I'm surprised how many times I hear some of my students say, well, now that I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Thank heaven I'm an adult because now I don't have to do anything I don't want, which is exactly the opposite of what an adult thinks like and what an adult does and how they are. Adults jump through hoops. We don't want to go to work, but we want to get a paycheck and we want to help others. So we go to work and we jump through the hoop of work, not because it's always awesome, but because we want the benefits of work. So as adults, we look at the long-term benefits and not the immediate short-term, what feels good and what's comfortable. And that's why we often say that um, neurodiverse young adults who have not found their actual adult feet and they're not actually past that child to adult um, phase are comfortably miserable because they want to do only what they want to do, but they're still totally acting like children and they haven't made the switch. So in some ways it becomes harder to parent that child because of their lineal age, um, their linear age. And they think because they're 18 or 20, they have certain rights um, because our society and our culture has said that at age 18 or 21, that those are milestones and you can't control me anymore. I get to do what I want, but I expect you to pay for it. And I still get to live at home. And that is so the opposite of what being an adult looks like. So it comes down to this situation where there's a lot of conflict and hard managing and negotiating and working and manipulating and praying and um, learning and bending. I, I don't know anyone that has to be more agile and in the moment to adjust to the meeting needs to meeting the needs than parents and supporters of neurodiverse teenagers. Um, they are really hard and it's not their fault and it's not your fault, but it is what it is. So what I'd like to do is discuss the, the art of switching from being the parent to the partner or mentor relationship. And the, one of the big things I want you to hear is that if you never intentionally make the shift from the parent role. Now, this is whether you're a grandparent or a therapist or a teacher. If you never shift from the parent role to the partner role, it is highly likely that the neurodiverse mentee that you are trying to help and support will never shift out of the child role with entitlements and with expectations and with comfortable stuckness. And so the first choice is yours. They might be demanding rights and privileges of an adult while still acting like a child, but that doesn't mean they're actually being adult or acting adult and mature. So you have to make the first step. That means a very intentional, slow shift from control and fixing and protecting and doing things for them and clearing their paths and doing the things that a parent does in the beginning to start shifting the power of control to them. And that can be really hard. And one of the ways that I manage that to know when, when do I let them choose for themselves 
is I stop thinking in terms of, is this the right or wrong decision? And I turn it into more of a discussion or question of, is this a decision that will be highly damaging or will this decision be survivable so that I can start empowering the person that I love so that they learn that they can make decisions. And if we don't allow them to make wrong decisions in hopefully non-destructive ways, and we may not even have a choice, there's some things they can choose that we can't control. But as we keep a relationship of influence and they know that we want them to make choices and that we want them to succeed, and they know that we are their best cheerleader, that we believe in them, that we have a good relationship with them, and we've maintained that, then as we give them the power to make decisions, and then when they make what we would consider the wrong decision, we don't pounce on them and lecture them, tell them all the ways they were wrong and just shut them down. Our goal is to nurture them um, like a plant or like any child who's learning how to ride a bike. Um, anyone who stands out there and is angry and frustrated at the child who hasn't learned how to ride their bike will never succeed in helping them learn to ride that bike. So mistakes are a part of the process. The biggest issue is keeping a relationship where they know that you believe in them and that they feel trusted and that they're so happy to listen to you if you give advice because they know that you want them to succeed. And so making making the slow shift into letting them make their own decisions comes as they are capable but also it comes with boundaries. I want to talk about that for a second. Boundaries are the things we are willing and not willing to do. They have nothing to do with controlling our child. When we move into a partner mentor relationship and we want our child from the child role to move into the partner adult relationship with us so that we're more equals, even if we at totally different levels of functionality. We want them to move up into the equal places, the mentor next to us or the mentee next to us. Um, it's important that, that we don't continue to be frustrated, angry, um, bitter, that it's been so hard. If, if we in the parent role are so tired and exhausted because it's been so hard and embarrassing and different than we than we expected to be parents and here they are at age you know 18 and we realize that just because they're 18 does not mean they're ready to leave home and be successful and now instead of all the things i hoped for and assumed um, i'm going to probably keep parenting them until they're 22 to 25 even though they won't allow it and even though they don't necessarily appreciate it or deserve it, and that's when the exhaustion and the frustration comes out, that's really hard to avoid. But if we stay in the parent role of you should be an adult by now, you should be independent by now, then we actually are in the parent role lecturing, controlling, judging, and in a negative way, forcing them to stay in the child role. And it becomes a really toxic relationship. And the more you treat them like a parent who's frustrated because they keep acting like a child, the longer they will continue to be the child. Now, how that works is 
when you stay a part of the equation, then they stay the same person. And all of us have the tendency of reverting back to old roles, old habits, old identities and characters, um, reputations, who we were. Um, when I went back to my high school reunion 25 years after graduating, I was shocked to see that I fell right back into who I was expected to be when I was in high school because I had a certain role to play you know, in my social circles. And I didn't like it. I left feeling sick that I had, even with the insight as a therapist of 25 years, I actually could not just stand above it. I found myself being sucked back. And so the child, when they're interacting with parents and they're living at home, it is nearly impossible for them to pull themselves out of those patterns, ruts, and habits. Um, neurologically, those are some pretty strongly, deeply ingrained thinking patterns. And it would take a lot of practice, maturity, and development to overcome those. And that is not where a young adult or older teen neurodiverse person is. They are just not at that capacity place, which is one of the reasons why the statistic that young adults who stay at home are less likely to keep and hold a job, less likely to ever be independent. There's the statistic that shows the most independence and success in life as far as making and keeping relationships, holding a job, uh, mental health are the ones who moved away from home. And that's because the equation had to be changed. The parent-child relationship, which is so stuck and so ingrained in us because we have been their executive functioning and their parent for so long, even long after it should have been um, switched over where they on their own should have flapped their wings and said, I want to fly the nest. I want to fly the nest. And, and they're still, you know, down in the corner of the nest, afraid to look up over the edge, uh, metaphorically speaking, or they're saying, I want to fly the nest. I'm ready to go, but they haven't even stretched their wings yet. They have no idea if they even have feathers, but they think they're ready because everyone else is leaving. Either way, it's a long, painful switch and contentious situation um, when it doesn't work well. So my recommendations are one, to be the parent means to give them what they need, not what they want, um, and not necessarily what they've earned. So whether they've earned it or whether they want it doesn't matter. It All that matters is what they need. And if they need friends, but they haven't earned the right to go out, but there's a chance for them to get that social, emotional need met, I always find a way to get to get them with their friends because they don't learn the same lessons from punishments. They end up just feeling more negative, more broken, and more empty if they miss out on needs. Um, for example, when, when our children were younger and they got in trouble, they might be grounded from playing out on the street with friends, but they never got grounded from going to Cub Scouts or Scouts because that was actually really good for them. And I'd never want to take away medicine from somebody who's sick. And that's exactly what some social situations are or other things. Now that's a parent call. Every situation is different. When we have the equation of parent-child 
and we don't make the first step, then we end up being resentful and exhausted, and it's really hard. Something you can do is bring in reinforcements. Sometimes they can't move away from home because there's nowhere for them to go, but you could bring in aunts and uncles to help and start to shift that influence relationship over to somebody else. You could have a social worker, you could hire a mentor, um, send them to a specialty school, ask one of their friends to be responsible for a certain area to help um, to help make sure that they're safe or taken care of. Sometimes it can't be the parent. Sometimes it can't be us because if it comes from us, they revert and stay in the child role. And that is really, that's really hard because sometimes we don't know, we don't know who to turn to and what to do. And sometimes we are the best they've got. So having lots of heart to heart discussions with our child that, that says, hey, I want you to have these things and make those choices. Here's why I'm worried that they won't work. And I want to protect you, but I don't want you to resent me. Can we work on this together and come up with a partnering relationship? Um, for example, I would love for you to have and spend your own money. Um, maybe it's Social Security that they receive every month, or maybe it's an allowance that you want to give them. And you might say, I, I would love nothing more than for you to have total control of your money because the last thing I want is to have to worry about your money. At the same time, for the last six months, we've given you your allowance at the front of the month, and it's all spent by the first week. And then for the next three weeks, you come to us and you beg and you whine and you throw a temper tantrum that you don't have any money and that you need it. And you actually miss out on things you really would have rather done or gone to or purchased, um, but you spent all your money and you're just not learning how to hold off spending money to you know, save it throughout the whole month. So do you think you would be willing to let us give your money to you each week instead of monthly and spread it out so that you always have some money that week and if you ever want to buy something bigger that's more money than just one week's worth of allowance um, maybe you need to save it for two or three weeks and practice holding off spending money and that's how a partner talks to them even though you're on totally different um functional levels that's how you give them ownership and allow them to start making their own decisions and at least having ownership in it while still acknowledging their weaknesses and their limitations um, an adult isn't somebody who does everything right an adult is somebody who knows that they have weaknesses and knows when to ask for help and if your biological child says, look, mom and dad, I suck at managing money. Would you be willing to help me with it? That's an adult. That's it. There's not more. An adult doesn't have to be great with money. An adult just has to recognize that they're not great with money. I don't know any partner in any marriage that has all the pieces. If one partner's extra good at one area, that's what they bring to the relationship and they lift up their other partner who isn't good in that area. And that's what partners and mentors do is they're equals, but they have different strengths and weaknesses and they always keep the relationship um, in place. So 
sometimes parents are afraid and sometimes they just get stuck in the control mindset of I have to make all the decisions. Um, either of those are based in fear um, and are not are not healthy foundations. And that's where the unhealthy parent role comes in and starts to actually undermine the shift of the child to the partner and an equal role. Um, so let me go back in and revisit. We want to be equals with different strengths and weaknesses. We want to give them what they need, not what they want, and not only what they've earned. Um, sometimes they need more than they've deserved or earned. If we stay in the parent role, then they will, by definition, stay in the child role. If we wait for them to step up and stop being the child before we stop making all their decisions, they will never develop and turn into the partner and the adult that we want. It's our job to set up decision-making in ways that aren't damaging, but might be the wrong decisions so that they learn. And it's our job to keep a relationship of influence in that equation. In many, many ways, switching from the parent to the partner role for us as the supporters requires us to not be a part of the equation at all. Sometimes, even if we do it right, we end up feeling like and coming across as the parent who's trying to control. If it's the parent's idea for someone to take a college class, immediately the child says, I'm not going to college if that's what you want me to do. It would have been better had the parent not even shared their opinion or their suggestion than to share it and have it taint the decision. The child wants and needs to stretch their wings and make their own decisions whether they're actually ready to do that or not. And that's more important than making the right decision. In general, as often as you possibly can, I would recommend saying to any situation, I'm not sure what you should do. What do you think? Or, you know, I'm not sure what I would do in that situation. Maybe you should talk to so-and-so. They probably have great advice. If we don't do a split and a distinct separation from the parent role with the child, if there's not a space and a break, that's another way that they will not be able to lift themselves up into the, the partner role where they become adults. So there is a time period where cutting the apron strings for this population that we're trying to help becomes a, a rest, a break, um, a reprieve, where it gives them time to, to actually stop feeling like the child. And so oftentimes at our school, I would recommend that somebody not return home for home visits for a while. And that is really hard for me because I love family. I love relationships. I think the parent-child relationship biologically will always be there, but the parent-child roles need to shift for everyone to enjoy everybody. And one of the things I love more than anything is to give parents back the adult child that they wanted, that they knew could be there, that they enjoyed without all of the negatives of the parent-child relationship with power and control and expectation and and frustrations and contentions. To do that, most of the time, 
our students at our school require a three to six month break from revisiting home because as soon as they go back home, they fall back into old patterns and habits because the same smells are there, the same room is there. Oftentimes I'll ask parents to switch the room completely so that that room that became such a negative place, if they escaped into the room, if they sat in their room, if they avoided life in their room, I don't ever want them returning to that same space. I would love for them to switch rooms completely if they still even have a room at home, which is a totally different discussion, switch their furniture, switch their beds, have a totally different start so that if they do return home, they return to a different home as a different person. Um, and it's very common for our students to be doing really well developmentally and maturity wise and be acting like adults at our school. But then when they go home, they revert or when they get back into a relationship with their parents, they immediately revert. revert. Um, a parent the other day made an absolutely appropriate suggestion that I had even made the day before and the student was willing to hear it from me. But as soon as the parents said it, it became an absolute no, a negative control. I can't go that direction because if I go that direction, then it just means I'm doing what my parents want and I'm not making my own decisions. And that's a very childish reaction. And yet the shift from child to adult requires that process. So if you can stay out of the equation, I would, especially in that switch where they're starting to be ready to be more autonomous and independent. And then later, the goal would be to have a relationship where they come to you and say, hey, I really like so-and-so. Could you give me some advice on, on not screwing up this relationship? I don't want to come on too strong because I've done that in the past. Or I've never talked to a girl. How would you talk to her dad? And if they're asking me as a mentor and a friend, even though I'm their parent because they value my wisdom and my experience and I can have relationship of influence. I love that way that feels. That is the ultimate goal. And I, I want to send all of our students back to their parents with that mentality and that perspective, but they have to have a separation first. They have to have a splitting of the controls and the parent child relationship where the child frees themselves from their own childish bonds of feeling controlled and, and resentful and negative about who they were in their home with their parents. And I guarantee deep down they knew if they were unhealthy and irresponsible and they didn't really like themselves when they were at home treating you poorly and talking negatively and fighting back and being disrespectful. I guarantee they didn't like themselves when they lost their relationship with you because they were angry and hurting and lonely and they were in crises and they took it out on you because you were the safest person to be the whipping post. Um, so give them a break from you so that they can become and then they will return to you as the person that they've always wanted to be and you knew they could be. And that is a wonderful benefit and product um, and reward for parents who are wise enough and loving enough to let the transition happen, to let them make autonomous decisions, to stop being a part of the equation, if at all possible, so that as you become the adult in the relationship and the partner and the mentor, they stop resenting you. 
but it might take a while, maybe even two or three years because development goes slowly as their identity is built slowly. But as they build their identity, you will enjoy them more and more. It might require letting them go for a while, which is really scary. But it's not scary if you can set up supports around your biological child or the person you're caring for. You don't have to let them go alone, but you might have to turn it over to others. Um, and that's where you as parents are going to have to be creative and thinking ahead and point in all kinds of resources um, relationally and maybe financially um, to help find a support system where they can still grow up with you not being a part of the equation. Do not mistake what I'm saying for you letting go of the relationship. I'm talking about daily interactions where they would feel like a child and you continue to be the adult that has to fix, control, take care of, repair, fix, make things happen. Even if you're doing those things out of love, it's probably not what they need at some point as they shift from child to adult. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. That is not an easy situation. Maybe it's not any clearer than when I started um, this podcast tonight. Um, but if you listen to all the other podcasts about development and expectations and how you can show up in the relationship, um, if you take Debbie's um, parenting lectures online um, and start applying some of those principles, I think it all comes together very nicely. I wish you luck in switching yourself from the parent to the partner. And I fully believe that that will create a situation where you get your adult child back in your life in the most effective and successful way possible. Thank you and good luck and keep on trucking out there. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.